Hello out there. This is Replacement Level Morality. My name is Joseph. My name is Andrew. Andrew, I don't have a subscription to the Times, but you're a sophisticated man. I understand you you keep tabs on the old gray lady. I follow them on Twitter, but I don't have I don't I don't I don't give them my dollars. <laughs> New York Times, live to your door. I work way too hard to give them my dollars, and I subscribe <laughs> to many Twitch streamers. <laughs> But there was something that that um, or raised your eyebrow lately. I think that was in the paper of record. But so, for context to future listeners who may be in a future time, we are recording this in the aftermath of the release of a game called Hogwarts Legacy, <laughs> and the associated New York Times printing of actually there is acceptable debate debate and room for disagreement on trans issues and then the attempts of New York Times staffers and the union to try to unproclaim that and then <laughs> and then failing utterly like yes. being humiliated for trying yes it, it was not a a polite you know we hear you and we want to discuss with you you can your concerns like not even that level of we will not actively diss you in public, but we're definitely not going to acquiesce to you. No, this was fuck everyone who signed that. That's not what journalism is. Do you know where you work? <laughs> like this is the New York times clearly on a contentious matter of public import. There will be room for disagreement you absolute chuds. And this has me feeling like Inigo Montoyo in The Princess Bride saying, New York Times, you did something right. There's another movie I've seen. You did it. <laughs> We're up to three on this program, <laughs> if I recall. Yeah, I, I don't want to give them too much praise because they did none of the work, really. This They yeah. could have done this 10 years ago. Yeah, they're a little you know, late. Like, they could have done this 15 years ago. They they could have drawn this a line in the sand on so many opportunities before now. And it would have been easier uh, for everyone else, but harder on them if they had said no first, right? Right. That's There's... the real – that's the problem is that until the incentives had shifted enough that them saying no helps them – get subscribers helps their reputation helps their bottom line suddenly uh they were interested <laughs> okay this metaphor is a little out there but go with me on this it's almost like we have created a, a lot of men but men that don't have chests <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, like you, try to be as libertarian as possible when it comes to the conduct of anyone within the avenues of their life that affect no other person. You know, like you should have the right to live the life you way what you wish. And to the extent that you have friends and family who are willing to entertain whatever uh, path you take in life, that you, you should embrace that acceptance and joy, and I wish nothing for the best for you. Okay? So with that out of the way, there are still some choices 
that are fucking weird <laughs> that are that are not necessarily healthy representations of reality that others should see or seek to emulate and there's a big difference between tolerating things out of a i think well-placed sense of liberta- libertarianism and maybe letting that drift into folks not knowing where their place is in in the social hierarchy here you know yeah i think there's there are several distinct issues that need to be sorted out so the first is and probably the area where we have the most disagreement is is adults choosing to be trans as an adult decision that 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 they have they've done they've come to this conclusion and they're doing these things i i have less than no problem with the existence of Deirdre McCluskey i am a big fan of Deirdre McCluskey i have no problem calling her trans because call are calling her a she because i think it's part of politeness to call people as they want to be called it, it it doesn't negatively affect me. Her writing is wonderful, and I will continue to read it as long as she puts out new writing. And there are... I say this term with the most affection for the, the shock jock archetype, but there's a whole brand of conservative... I am going to not use the person's name because I can that I find extremely distasteful. I used to be much closer to where you stand on the issue. I said, I believe I would, would say that I had started where you are in terms of my willingness to just accept the adult decisions that folks want to make and to be infinitely polite and civil in regards to those decisions, because that seems like the right civic attitude to take in a free society. So I understand where you're at. I was once there. I believe that what we have witnessed is the consequences of that goodwill essentially being abused by folks who took things too far, who accepted that kind of um, agreeable acceptance from everyone as an in, as an invitation for someone else to do something that was beyond the pale. There's certainly a lot of that. Um, and issue number two that I would say is, as I said during the COVID episode, is the illiberal approach to this is too important to have a disagreement on that. Yeah. That's that whole attitude needs to be burned in a fire because you know if, if as i said on twitter okay now that there are no conservatives in the field of sociology or no no non-leftists in the field of sociology nobody trusts their conclusions why would you nothing replicates it's all it, it's all nonsense like i could i have no doubt that i could get a paper published in sociology if i really worked at it and I have no business writing papers in sociology. Yeah, it's, it's, 
there's no rigor in a field like that where you drove off a generation of creators. Because there's, if someone wanted to, and we're already into fantasy land, if someone did an experiment that, or did a study that concluded that transition treatments, like say top surgery specifically, they just did their narrow study with good rigor and they concluded that top surgery increased feelings of depression five years down the road. Uh, they First of all, there isn't any sociologist living and under 30 who would attempt to publish that result. Yeah. Not and a second one. of all, if they did, no journal would touch it. And yeah. because of that, I have no faith in any of their other studies. I know for certain, certain that you would not even dare publish a null result on the, on your positive hypothesis, you exactly. know, like the, if your hypothesis, everything is sunshine and rainbows and you get the null results and you wouldn't tell me. And I know you wouldn't tell me because you've told me you wouldn't tell me because you've talked about so with such certainty, as you said, about how we can't even debate it. Only a liar would do that. You know, like only someone with an indefensible perspective an indefensible uh position would do that and that's where we start with this like this was never gonna hold i was uh listening to an incredible episode of econ talk this uh earlier this week where the guy just proposed very nonchalantly academia as a concept is only about 60 years old Hard to imagine it failing more spectacularly given the institutions that were set up. So just do something else. Just build other institutions for generating scientific knowledge because this one doesn't work. It's not that old. We we can still toss it out. I don't know. We can't toss it out. Like It's still going to be there. But it's certainly true that it's not generating knowledge in a meaningful sense. It's not adding to what humanity knows outside of STEM. Like physicists, that's, that's just it. Like it is <laughs> scientific inquiry ha- for hard sciences has to be completely removed from from the concept that somehow you can have uh, rigor and and uh, the same standards in soft sciences. Like that's yeah, possibly a fucking thing that someone with a PhD and sociology is anything near to the equal of someone with P- PhD in chemistry. And even medicine, like medicine, people do not understand this, but in statistics and economics, people make jokes about what bad statisticians doctors are. Doctors are people who do their thing very well, and then they try to do studies and their statistics is horrible. It's just, that's a problem. You you have to separate these fields uh, but we give so much credit to MD wrote paper that says thing without separating out. Okay. But do they actually know their stats? Yeah, Is this like, actually a valid result? Probably not. MDs, you know, because being a medical doctor is such a hard earned accolade that requires such dedication to so many years of practice and 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 willingness to do things that other people would find horrifying to even attempt repair a heart 
don't fuck it up. <laughs> like a vet friend of ours once described to me that he, as part of his training, he had to work on a suspended cow, and the suspension broke, and he almost got crushed to death by a cow. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, I respect that you're good at your profession. If like, yeah, there, there's real, there's real risk on every level to be something like an MD. So you're given all this respect, and you do have the specialist knowledge that allows you to come say in a scientific uh, fashion, there is a thing I have discovered. There is a, a matter of, of medical import that I wish to bring to the table that I can explain from a very, uh, you know, well-founded professional uh, perspective. But that doesn't mean you're good at math. Like nothing I just described says you're good at math at all. <laughs> it means you have a different skill set. Math is certainly part of it, but not, in this very narrow way in which you need to have a specialist, someone who understands health statistics step in to translate A to B. And you know, that, that, that is still, uh, all of that is still very valuable to any society. Um, but trying to say that that is what life is like on the flip side, when they're talking about political science, um, or, uh, sociology, or psychology, uh, that it's that same level of highly technical specialization. No, it is not. It is, it is based on vibes and feels. It's made the fuck up by a bunch of people who are getting grants for reasons I cannot explain aside from we have too much money. Well, all of it, it's all colored by sampling bias. Doctors will work with, by definition, the sick and come to conclusions about people as a whole that aren't nece- that don't necessarily flow because it's not their fault. People draw conclusions based on things that they experience every day. That's just human nature. But there are a lot of doctors who had a very, like, like we said in the COVID episode, if you work in a room full of people on ventilators dying of COVID, you're gonna think that the modal case of COVID is more severe than it is. It's just inescapable. And you know where, where this tactic of we're going to declare this too important to disagree on came from. And where is that? It came from the gay marriage debate. The the one instance where it worked spectacularly, where you they realized and this all happened so fast and nobody realized it until it was in the rearview mirror but you could call people homophobic and because the suffix phobic implies an irrational fear calling someone exphobic was just the thing to do for a decade and in, in that that being so successful even for a topic I like, I don't have any problem with Obergefell, but that that tactic was successful, caused a huge problem that we're still dealing with, where people think, "Oh, I can just insult the people that I disagree with, and and call them exphobic until they agree with me." I think that's just a, a, a I think what you're describing is almost a a false positive on the part of the folks who think that the bullying element worked oh it, it is necessary 
You think so? I don't agree with that. I think that there was a natural change in opinion that was happening uh, and not over a long period. No, I, I agreed with you that it was a false positive. Oh, okay. Th- 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 those were not the arguments that won the debate. Jonathan Rausch won the debate. <laughs> it, the The debate was not, I think, ever calling anyone phobic, helping get the ball over the 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 uh, the goal line you know it was the rat the reason debate to say these are just other people who want the same rights you have like what's your problem with that under current law like nothing changes for anyone else it's just in our own private lives the same as your private lives we want to have equal legal rep- you know rights before the law because all unfortunately, we built a civic society where shit like contracts and property and who gets to be on whose health insurance has to do with the fact if you're engaged with this archaic uh, convention of being married or not. And so our bad that we accidentally built this huge civic superstructure on on this one institution that is no longer used for the purposes that it was before is to say – has to be between a man and woman for children because like all households had children in it. Like we're, that hasn't been the case for 50 years. So we just want to do the same thing you're doing. Well, it was, it was just such an obvious injustice when someone was a life partner for 50 years and they didn't have like power of attorney to decide when to take the ventilator off. Like, yeah, that, that is in, Civic terms, that is a, a legal partner, and they like <laughs> you need to have the same rights apply. Absolutely, and that's what actually won the debate. Was you could draw a direct line to say that 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 just should be the case. Yeah, this is wholly different in every conceivable circumstance. Well, it doesn't work anymore. Like exphobic. People just built an immunity, and it's now like the butt of jokes. Yeah, I'd certainly do. It, they the the folks on on the pro trans side of the debate certainly used it for their ammunition. Like they used every rhetorical device they could, up to and including comparisons to Nazis of anything that resembles the most mild disagreement. Which is what brings us to Hogwarts Legacy. Like That's true. This this is why actually this part of what happened actually matters a lot which is if you didn't know if you weren't an online person and this is what this incident proved right beyond any shadow of any doubt if you were not an online person you have probably no idea about jk rowling's opinions in regards to trans people which are the most mild and milk toast normie opinions imaginable Yes. Just there's nothing hateful. She has trans friends. There is only I think there should be spaces for biological women. That's that's it. That's that's the hateful rhetoric for which all of this is stirred. Total acceptance of people's choices, but a recognition of difference. That is what she is guilty of. And not a moral judgment of difference, just a natural observation of difference and for this she is constantly 
defamed, in my opinion, uh, I've certainly abused and dragged to the mud of all of the online press there is at the behest of their writers and editors who are overrepresented by these kinds of groups. This And this happens constantly, and because if you read Twitter a lot, you just see it all the time. If you're on that cutting edge and you decide to consume your that, that unfiltered rush of human information and make sense of it yourself, you've known this forever. And it's your whole world. And you're and you've uh, you're adopted it as a persona that this woman is the most hateful bigot against trans people that ever existed. Harry Potter is a tainted IP and no human on this planet should ever in their lives enjoy anything made by this IRL witch ever again. Meanwhile, everyone off Twitter is continuing to go to Orlando to ride the Hogwarts Express and Hasbro or and Universal continues printing money with the IP. This is contained to Twitter and before Twitter it was contained to Tumblr until Tumblr banned porn and unleashed all these idiots on us. Yes. yes. Never forgive them. It, it it is strange how so much of the social weirdness we see in real life spaces goes back to fucking Tumblr banning porn. And that that service, you know, burning to ashes immediately, and all of their users deciding to show up on Twitter. Yep. But and go ahead. A, and that leads us into, I guess, what I would consider part three. Uh, let's talk about Abigail Schreier. She was writing for somewhere prior to writing the book. She had some kind of life before the book, where she was in media. Mm-hmm. And she wrote the book because she was so concerned by what she saw that she didn't think other people would believe it unless she just like wrote it all down and like shipped it off into the universe to say, do you all know about this or not? And the most important thing that she revealed, which uh, was news to me, was that prior to, say, 2010, being, in those days, called a transvestite was an entirely male-to-female phenomenon. Yes. Almost to a person. Correct. This was completely mind-blowing to me. It was grown up probably a couple years before the large explosion in FTM transitioners. And what Abigail describes is just a wave from a statistically immeasurable percentage of the population who identified as female to male transitioners to 5%, 10%, like just a staggering jump from zero to greater than five. It's like a clear case of social contagion. Yes. Like it just could not be more evidently true that this was a social contagion that took off in this place as a consequence of just a few people plucking it out of the then early social media internet. Yeah. 
A lot of this is Tumblr's fault. What was more shocking to me than the revelations in the book about what happened and what the reaction was has been the attempt by the entirety of the mainstream media to present her as a crank for having documented it. And not even... Indefensibly so. It wasn't even treating her as a crank. It was a total blackout. Like, there just weren't reviews of her book. It was something that polite society, trademark, didn't mention. It was very obvious and very weird why they unpersoned her book from the New York Times bestseller list, even though it clearly would be one, you mm-hmm. know? And you, you'll you even allow political books of people you don't like be to register on that all the time. Ben Shapiro's book also was a New York Times bestseller, okay? Like... You you allow this all the time. There, that's the truce, right? Like right. if you're going to be the the recorder of this information about uh, sales of books and the popularity of ideas as a consequence, it means you it means you just publish it. They wouldn't publish her. How? What? That's a quite a choice you're making. This is too important to allow disagreement on. So, who, there was someone else you were going to bring up in this. Yeah, this total media blackout leads to the greatest title in the history of titles, The Evil of Banality by Jacob Siegel, which is this wonderful Substack article about how it was just, it's just vaguely low status to care about an increase from zero to, wish I had the number, but let's let's say 8% just for funsies, this like thousandfold increase in the number of teenage girls identifying as trans uh, as, as stated up top i am quite comfortable with adults choosing to live differently than me libertarianism is a philosophy for adults, adults. it is and that's where you and i come together very quickly and very firmly um, yes where we have some distance on where should society's tolerance be? We have, you know, a touch of dif- distance on the sort of moral element. Um, here we are, simpatico. <laughs> uh, the moment this started to reach into spaces that are not uh, fully uh, occupied by legal adults, that's when it became something that um, was definitely not okay. And say someone identifies as trans for three years and then decides not to because people change their mind about things they decided when they were 14 all the time. That's fine, provided that they did not make any particular choices that that are irreversible. And then suddenly, that's what you're introducing into the con- into the conversation. That you are introducing it at um, the fastest speed possible, and then you make the insane choice to stake out as your position that you should be able to pursue it steadfastly against the wishes of the parents, if you so deem it to be necessary. 
And that did not survive for long. <laughs> that, no. That's where suddenly it became a problem. Uh, we talk a lot about white social progressives rapidly losing black and Hispanic communities. This is how. This is this is this is acid to their <laughs> yes. to their to their support of the Democratic Party for good reason. And it's it it only ever survived by total capture of elite institutions because the New York Times was scared to talk about it at all for I'd say like four years. Yeah, since I would say since really 2018 is is when it really started to be a problem. This all has severe moral panic vibes, but not in the there is a moral panic about this. It is there is a moral panic about letting people talk about whether or not this is a good practice at a society level. I mean, you've and they only have themselves to blame to be to be clear about my position here. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Like there was so much grace that folks are willing to have about the way you choose to live your life among adults in this country. It's unlike any other place on the planet when it comes to that. We are special in that regard where we really try hard not to be in each other's business about what we choose to do in our own time. As long as you're not in an HOA. As long as you, you, hey, going into the HOA was also a choice. It's true. (laughs) But the moment you made the decision to imperil someone's child with this, not caring about the long lifetime consequences that could be carried from what you know to be just kind of the consequences of having hormones and being young and not knowing what the fuck was going on and being confused because suddenly your whole way you're perceiving the earth is in overdrive and then stepping in in that moment and then purposefully preying on this instability caused by these circumstances to generate a very specific result, a result one could argue might be based in your weird personal sexual fetish. Well, that's when the tolerance ends. That's when it's over. That's when we've got to take a step back and decide maybe things need to be different. Yeah. Uh, I am convinced that this period in history will be looked on akin to lobotomization just there is there is undiscovered science about people with gender dysphoria. I wholeheartedly believe that gender dysphoria is a real thing. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been trans people in 1950. They were called transvestites then, but they're out there. The, there small- there's a whole historic record. Mm-hmm. about the weirdness of people and their gender roles in a particular society. As long as societies existed, there's been this rogue elements where uh, men have done the, the jobs of women and women have done the jobs of men in that, in that society. And then there's a record of it. 
Like, we know this is a cycle that repeats itself. It's part of being human. We get it. Okay. Like, that's fine. That's fine. There is a a medical theory that the the root cause, since they haven't been able to find genetic markers, is uh, the a, a pregnant mother's pregnancy system will slightly misfire and will douse a male child in estrogen or a female child in testosterone, like by accident, like it just just gets the wrong one. And then they come out of the womb and they're, they never quite feel like their gender. I want there to be real scientific progress on the best way to treat what sounds by all accounts to be something quite miserable to experience. Yes. <laughs> that no one likes these sensations, these feelings, however it is that they occur, whether it's a, uh, a literal part of the of development process that w- we can actually isolate and 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 know about to something that's more you know uh, shall we say uh, has more compound inputs in terms of why it is the way it is maybe it is part development part in- environment part who knows right and there's certainly at least recently an environmental aspect of you know this the same phenomenon responsible for a bunch of teenagers on TikTok thinking that they have Tourette's because they watched a TikTok of someone with Tourette's that's the that's a similar phenomenon at work and everyone kind of knows that you just weren't allowed to say it until 2 weeks ago thank you Billy <laughs> Weiss you're a hero we don't deserve you I, I there there are definitely some torchbearers in the reasonable part of the discourse on this. Barry Weiss is certainly one of them, and um, you know she she rolled the hard six on a whole bunch of stuff. Like she went into the time swinging and did not survive the experience, but came out stronger. You know, so did you know? Like she had a whole story arc. That's great. But yeah, she's certainly out in front of it. Like. And uh, people will use that as an example of cancel culture is a myth because sometimes they come out stronger on Substack. But for every Barry Weiss, there is 10 people you've never heard of who got fired and then never had, had to, like, careers. Yeah. Like had to go like hope that someone didn't Google their name before uh, calling them up, calling him up on their resume. And there are a hundred people who never said anything in the first place. And that's the real, like you can't cancel JK Rowling. You can't cancel Dave Chappelle, but people see what they go through and just decide I'm going to keep my head down. And that was the piece of the Hogwarts legacy element that maybe we didn't mention. And the reason why it's important turns out that's going to be the biggest video game of the year. It sold millions and millions of copies. Pretty good from, what I understand people play it. I haven't had the opportunity myself. I've told myself I'm not buying another video game until I finish Red Dead Redemption 2, which might take a while, but I I love Westerns and I need to finish it. And that's because this weirdo niche internet shit about JK Rowling is something most people don't know about. They just they buy the they buy the Hogwarts game because they wanted to play it. 
Potter's neat, and they grew up reading the books and watching the movies. Yeah, so like now you got kids who (laughs) watched the movies 15 years ago, uh, who are like in their mid to late 20s now, and they're like, yeah, hell yeah, PS5 like action adventure Hogwarts game where I'm like rolling around and I've got like a cool combat system. So, but it's like, I'm in Hogwarts. I'm like rolling around and I'm, I'm in fucking Slytherin and shit. Hell yeah. Like that's, that's it. That's the impulse to buy the fucking game. That's who was, it was targeted that like the demo of like 13 to 28. And as an aside, where has this game been for the past decade? Like Star Wars has been doing, you can be a Jedi since before I was, since uh, like around when I was born. We got to remember they did the 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 games for the original movies, but it was like on PS one, PS two era, okay. you know, like, and they were pretty I simplistic. I don't know these games, but and they weren't very good, and so that kind of like tainted the idea of a Hogwarts video game for a really long time. And then it became kind of like mobile trash, like got the IP, all of that, and nobody really wanted to do anything with it until WB had this resurgence in their video game department. And they got a little bit more aggressive and they got a little bit more money. And they're like, we want to do a Harry Potter game. We already we already own the IP. We have to get the fucking IP from anybody. We got it right here. <laughs> it's right here. We can do this. We don't have to ask someone else. And so they they uh, fired it off. And uh, it's very good. But and the- that's all it needed to ever needed to be. And the Twitter exchange that kind of sums this all up was some large streamer said something like, I I will ban anyone that talks about the, they don't even refer to it by name, which is unbelievably ironic that there is a game that which shall not be named and it's set in the Harry Potter universe. Irony is dead. Anyway, Gnome Bloom all all praise upon him uh replied so you're going to be compensating all the smaller streamers for the revenue that they don't get when they if they choose not to stream this right <laughs> like that's what you're going to do right yeah like you're going to pay for the consequences of your rule right there's too much pressure from the normies you're like no i want to pay people to stream this game in the universe that i like and I don't care about J.K. Rowling one way or the other. I really don't. I know yeah. so many left of center people who are loving Hogwarts Legacy. Revealed preference or GTFO. GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's interesting that that uh, act of uh, cultural uh, breakthrough is what seems to have sobered some folks up that needed to realize how little actual purchase and power this trans ideology they wedded themselves to for the last four years actually has, and they really can just kind of check them and they'll have everyone's backing to do so. And that's, it's all it took. It's all it took was, Oh, you don't, you, there's not actually very many of you. <laughs> so, uh, in pure real numbers. So we can just, we can just oppose you and we can start pointing out the problems here and we can report on it and we can deal with this. I mean, I first heard Megan McArdle make her point about the amount of people involved in a cancellation could not fill a football stadium. 
I heard I first heard that point a decade ago. Yeah. It's not that many people. No. You just have to tell them no. And it turns out telling them no was the easiest thing you could do all along. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna cost the times a cent to have said no to this. And if only they would have figured themselves out back in 2020, because I think that's where it really hit the terminal velocity was in the wake of the George Floyd shit. And then the times specifically printing that op-ed from Tom Cotton about like, if these police departments are going to control these riots and send in the national guard, an objectively understandable and defensible take, even if you don't personally agree, even if you think that like, the, the circumstances don't rise to the level, even if it was legally permissible, that it should happen, that it needs to remain to the de- maximum degree possible, the lo- locality that is responsible for that, because that's a that's a hard lock separation between the states that you want to maintain as much as you can, you know, across that bridge. I get that argument. But it was still defensible. Like, it was still, like, a thing you should be able to talk about at that stage, certainly. Like, to say... Yeah, there's some unchecked violence here. Like, why is this unchecked? Why haven't you fixed this yet? Like, maybe we do need to intercede if you're just unwilling to defend your citizens, you know? And that that the being printed would lead to what it led to. And it turns out it was because of, like, sound people, video people, and, like, lifestyle reporters were the ones who started that rivel at the Times. And all of the hard news people and actual opinion people didn't understand the objection and didn't understand what was going on and why no one was defending them. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning. Like, you are journalists. You can't... Re- it takes so long to regain the credibility that it has torched when a major news story, a thousand fold increase in the number of under 18 trans uh, FTM transitioners is just not allowed to be discussed. You and I will never trust the times again. Not that we did before, but like people, much more persuadable than us will never trust them again. You, it takes a new generation to be like, Oh, this is the paper of record. I like, I have, I am not of their partisan bent, but I trust that they won't just lie to me. Uh, there's a, a, you're you're uh, absolutely correct. Obviously I'm, I'm completely in agreement. I think that you were going to, I'm sorry. I stepped on something you're about to say. Uh, there's a uh, there's a Scott Alexander piece that I've read a dozen times about bounded distrust, where it's like, you know, the rules of the lying to people game, like, you know, the things that they'll lie to you about, you know, that if the commissar tells you that there's going to be a good harvest, but not a glorious harvest, you know, it's actually going to be a bad harvest. Like, like there used to be rules about how much the journalist class would lie to you and you could kind of be like, okay, this is a fact. This is the spin. Mm -hmm. I am a discerning consumer of news from a right of center perspective. I can, I can make lemonade out of these lemons. And that, that has not been the case in the past five years. And I'm kind of stepping on the toes of your 
incredible rant in our episode why the institute when the institutions fail about just the, the failure of journalism as an institution but i love that framing that you had at the beginning of this episode of you're journalists what the hell is wrong with you I, I you know the profession has changed the profession now celebrates its own celebrity in a way that it did not a generation ago to be a journalist in even the 90s into the 2000s was not to be someone famous. It was to be someone that worked in a pseudo civil service job. You weren't well paid. You weren't well known. But you had a camaraderie with another group of people about holding power accountable. And that is what you did, and you found purpose in that. This is the journalism that of the Boston Globe being the ones to expose the massive Catholic Church, you know, sex uh, scandal. Because it, it takes a certain amount of gumption when you're the most Catholic city on the planet to report on child abuse by, you know, the religion that nearly all of your subscribers follow. Yet it is information that they desperately require because of the circumstances in which they find themselves. That's what a journalist used to do, not to be famous, but to do good like that. And they they turned into the insiders. They turned into the people that could not abide not hanging out with the powerful people they know and being part of their lives and part of their intimate you know, relation to the rest of the world. And to be figures of media attention in their own right as a consequence of their expression. Men without chests. Yield C.S. Lewis was onto something. Can we talk about something related to that last thing you mentioned to close? Sure. We won't do another full topic because, as you knew, we were able to do almost an hour. (laughs) I'm just talking about this. This massive thing we all knew had to happen eventually. It's our it's our old friend Taylor Lorenz. She got me thinking about the perfidy of journalism, and I couldn't help but have my thoughts drift towards her, right? Have you uh, seen what she's been up to lately? I have. She had a she had a viral tweet, as she does sometimes. But it's viral in the sense of people quote tweeting her to talk about how stupid she is. I don't remember the last piece she actually wrote. You know, like she doesn't actually produce anything for the post as far as I'm aware at this point. I'm pretty sure it's what she doesn't produce for the post. And I think the the last time she had like a hit article was when she reported on the that weirdo who was running the disinformation board at at uh, uh, Homeland Security got got uh, fired. But she she evidently just um, sits on Twitter all day and picks fights about how everyone should still have to wear a mask because immunocompromised people like her can't live a normal life because not everyone is wearing a mask all the time. And that Mr. Beast uh, is ableist for curing a thousand people of their blindness. It's like she has... 
like someone made a bet with her that she has to make every wrong decision with every fucking opinion that she has for like X amount of time. You're like, sorry, Taylor, you lost the bet from this day to this day. Whenever there is a topic of the day on Twitter, you must be on the wrong side every day. (laughs) Like that's, that's the con and that's what she's managed. She doesn't write articles. She doesn't do any kind of reporting. She's just wrong about things on Twitter all the time. I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> Plus, it, it's they're paying her to just be terrible on Twitter. I don't fucking understand. I, mean, I hate to refer to the same episode twice, but in like our second or third episode, we talked about Taylor Lorenz being fired on stage. Out of cannon. <laughs> yes. There's <laughs> an apology to say, guys, sorry, we know we fucked up with this. And I guess all I'm saying is it's just gotten worse. <laughs> like <laughs> the circumstances around this woman have only gotten worse. As, as you tell me all the time, it has to get worse before it gets better. Can it please get better now? I guess this is what I'm saying. Like, can we make the turn? Can you guys finally fire her? Can you, can you finally do the thing you inevitably will have to do and right soon? The times is going through this. Now it's your turn. Uh, The Washington post will get serious when Chinese troops pour over the Ukrainian border. Well, that's, that's a spicy debate for the two of us for another day i think yeah that was you good are time. convinced that they're coming I, they are not coming i i'm not convinced that they're coming i think if they come they will win the war very quickly i yeah. think that the concept of chinese troops coming to aid russia and their attempts to pacify the ukraine will present to the pentagon such a choice opportunity to do that, which they so desperately have wanted an opportunity to do for decades. And that is kill some Chinese soldiers <laughs> that they've got some plans that, to do that. Like your wish is not in the cards, but we'll talk more about that next week on replacement level morality. We'll see you then.